Welcome back to another edition of the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm Gray Robertson. That is my wonderful co-host, Tara Henry. We've got so much to discuss here on this episode of the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Tara, have you caught your breath after a hectic but not necessarily chaotic week four? You know, I'm doing well. It, it was a little bit cold in California. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I got numerous text messages from people across the country asking if it really was that cold here. And uh, I can say it actually was that cold here uh, this week. Uh, I had my puffy jacket on, but lots of good softball played uh, this past weekend. Can't wait to talk about it. Absolutely. We're going to dive into basically everything here tonight. We've got the head coach of Cal State Fullerton as well coming up in just a bit, Kelly Ford. She'll be joining us at about 8.15 Eastern time thereabouts. Of course, do not forget that you can check out the wonderful website that is d1softball.com and you can use a special promo code podcast20 to get 20% off of an annual subscription so that you can read all the wonderful work that we will highlight just a little bit later on in the podcast. But for now, Tara, let's get to the leadoff. And let me lead off the leadoff by saying, don't forget to send your comments about the top 25 because we will be answering them later. Not as much, you know, vitriol, I would say, this week. So I guess we did something right. But either way, Tara, as we were watching softball unfold this weekend, it really seemed like the pitching was the story. We saw perfect games, no hitters, just overall a lot of low scoring in week four. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Gray. I think we're starting to see the pitchers settle in a little bit more. A lot of lot more low-scoring games. We'll talk a little bit about the Judy Garmin and what I saw there, but more low-scoring games uh, that we've seen in a while. And just an incredible performance. I'm going to highlight Valerie Cagle. I know you're going to go into the SEC with some incredible pitching performances, but Valerie Cagle, what she's doing with Clemson and that team, she's 8-1. and one. She's at a .63 ERA, a .74 whip. Uh, and she's doing it at the plate as well. So two-way player. She's hitting 508 uh, with eight home runs, 23 RBIs, uh, and a 568 on base percentage. But, uh, you know, I think Clemson, we talked about Clemson a lot. And with Val- Valerie Kegel and Millie Thompson in the circle, I think they're a tough team to beat. So I'll highlight Valerie Kegel. Uh, hi, Ma- Michael Bastian. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, great. Let's head on over to the SEC. What kind of t- uh, pitching performances did you see in the SEC? In a word, good, and perhaps perfect, you could say, as well. Uh, Carlin Pickens for Tennessee had a perfect game. Montana Fouts had a perfect game for Alabama. I was on the call with that with Kaylee Tao on SEC Network Plus. And Pickens, the SEC Freshman of the Week. Montana, the SEC Pitcher of the Week. Uh, In particular, with Montana's perfect game against Longwood, two things really stuck out. One, it was the second time that they had seen her. She threw a complete game shutout the night before against the Lancers, which I know is something Patrick Murphy is trying to do with her, have her face the same opponent back-to-back in preparation of conference play and postseason and all that fun stuff. But she did it without having to use the entire war chest. You know, her down stuff didn't really come out all that much because the rise and the curve were working so well. She threw a couple change-ups on Sunday, and then because the rise and the curve kept working, Lance McMahon didn't really have to call it very much. So Montana was just that good in that perfect game, the third of her career and the eighth in Alabama program history. I also saw a no hitter from Jayla Torrance 
in the Crimson Classic this past weekend. And another, another one, Tara, I really want to highlight. Really good to see Lexi Delbray for Florida mm-hmm. kind of getting back into the swing of things. Coming back from injury, we haven't seen a ton of her to start the year, but a one-hit shutout against UAB this past weekend. That is a really good sign for the Gators going forward. And we talked about that last week, Gray, and, and how Florida was going to bounce back and we're gonna, was Lexi going to be healthy. And um, I think we saw and we showed that uh, the Gators are, are always a team to watch. I think, you know, people always – take a look at the Gators in the beginning of the season and what's happening there. But again, always miraculously make it to the Women's College World Series, but a ton of pitching performances throughout the weekend. And we'll get into a little bit of some more pitching performances that I saw with my eyes uh, in our next segment. But uh, again, across the board, um, some incredible pitching. Audrey. Wow. So are you asking the question yourself? <laughs> because if not, I'll do it. It's time to ask where in the world is Tara Henry. Where was she? Well, Tara, you said you saw softball with your own eyes. Where in the world were you? <clears throat> so this weekend was at the Judy Garman Classic. And again, just an incredible tournament uh, out of Fullerton. I've been going on for uh, you know, I'm almost two, two decades uh, there in Fullerton and always one of my favorite ones to go to. You've got two fields going, uh, plenty of uh, good talent there. UCLA was there, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, Oregon, LSU made the trip out west. And we're going to talk to head coach Kelly Ford a little bit uh, on the podcast about the Titans and, and kind of what's going on there. But really impressed with Autumn Pease out of Minnesota spinning the ball uh, really well for the Gophers, uh, and then was able to see Megan Framo and Brooke Yanez, obviously at UCLA, Ter- Taylor Tinsley, uh, just a lot of low-scoring games. And we'll talk about the Titans pitching staff with uh, you know Rainy, uh, Miranda, and uh, Micah Sutherland. Again, some low-scoring games. Seattle U was there. Uh, as well, but just some really good uh, going, going up. Yeah, Tara, as I was following that event, we saw in particular LSU really lean on the pitching staff uh, over the weekend. I think of that 2 nothing win over Michigan. They're in that battle with Loyola Marymount that, you know, was high scoring early on and then uh, late, but LSU made some moves to try and uh, at least pitching-wise, slow down LMU. Uh, shout out Sam Fisher, by the way, a Hall of Famer for the Lions. But I was very impressed by what LSU was able to do in the circle because I feel like we have seen and and really talked more about their offense all year long. But to me, the biggest takeaway from the Judy Carmen for Beth Arena's team was the pitching staff. Absolutely. And oh, look at that, that Tiger offense as well. I think a year ago, a season ago, some of those close games, the Tigers uh, would have dropped last year in 2022. But, you know, they're 20, they've got 20 wins on the season, 20 and one. And somebody on Twitter was like, oh, those are easy wins. You still got to win at the end of the day. It's still 20 solid wins for the Tigers. And uh, like you said, I was impressed with them this weekend. And they left the tournament, the Judy Garman. They had seven home runs this year. Carly Petty, with her first home run of the season, was a grand slam. But to leave that tournament with seven home runs when there wasn't a lot of balls hit out of the yard there, to be honest. It's it's 220 to center. So 
I was impressed with the Tigers, was was happy I got to see them in person uh, and looking forward to see what they do in SEC play. And you mentioned Minnesota as well with Autumn Peace uh, really pitching phenomenally. And you look at what they did this week. Uh, they got some wins. They, they took a couple losses, but you pair that with what they did last week in Waco, beating Maryland, fighting with Baylor. This is a Minnesota team that I think could make some noise in the Big Ten. I mean, we came into the year expecting North to run the conference, but Maryland, Minnesota, they have shown flashes. Michigan, if they can sort a couple things out, they could be dangerous. Uh, don't count out some of the wild cards like a Penn State, maybe if their pitching staff can get better. Uh, the Big Ten race is slowly becoming more and more interesting as each week passes by. Yes, and then you can't forget about the freshman Jackie Hambrick. She spins the ball. She's throwing a curve uh, change, so she's changing and throwing that curve on the inner part of the plate uh, and then on the outside part of the plate to lefty, so a little backdoor curve from Hambrick. Yes, I was impressed with Minnesota. I'd like to see that offense get going a little bit better. Uh, I think they struggled at the plate, uh, just not you know as comfortable. But again, with that pitching staff and Piper Ritter does an incredible job with the pitchers. Uh, but again, I think that offense is going to be a little bit of an, an issue for the Gophers. Do you have any travel plans this week? Where where in the world is Tara going next? Uh, I believe I'll be heading out to Starkville. I'll be actually in Stark. They call it Stark Vegas, I guess, right? I, I'm going to head out to, which I know we're going to talk about later in the show, but to OU Mississippi State. Wow. I have so many restaurant recommendations. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we've already discussed so much of the fun at the Judy Garmin. Perhaps a player or two out West will be mentioned as one of our podcast players of the week. We'll see. But before we get to that, Tara, anything else from the Garmin that you want to hit on before we talk to Coach Ford in a bit? Uh, you know, I think everybody was uh, concerned with UCLA and how they were going to bounce back after that loss to uh, Oklahoma. They scored. They outscored opponents 40-3 to three, uh, with five wins uh, over the weekend. They had 31 hits and in a day. So 31 hits and two run roll victories. I mean, they did play Cal Poly uh, on that day, which struggled uh, throughout the tournament, but Charlize Palacios getting it done at the plate for the Bruins with a basis clearing triple uh, against Cal state Fullerton. Can't say enough about her. Uh, they, they opted to walk Maya Brady to get to, to Charlize Palacios. And uh, you know, I think the offense is going to be just fine there. Uh, Megan Faramo, like I said, Brooke Yanez and Taylor Tinsley all through for the Bruins. Uh, that was a big, you know, key factors, see how they were going to bounce back. Uh, and then got to see uh, Durkowski and LeBeau from, from Michigan. Again, I think that pitching staff uh, is going to do well in the Big Ten, but in terms of an offense, uh, another offense that uh, is going to be a little bit of an issue. But again, um, good pitching performances out of those two. Uh, so that's all I got in terms of the Garmin and, and what I saw this past weekend. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a step back for Michigan offensively. I, you know, I walked into this weekend saying, wow, Michigan's starting to hit a little bit. And that didn't happen much at the Garmin. So any Michigan bats nominated for podcast player of the week? Uh, probably not. Who are we going to mention? Let's find out. Tara. Go first. Who is your podcast player of the week? Well, we talked about this, and I when I chose the podcast player of the week, then I went down this 
uh, rabbit hole to take a look into stats, but Nigeri Kennedy, and this is the reason why the Stanford rookie, uh, she has not given up a single run in 44 innings pitched. So looking at the RA on our advanced stats tab on d1softball.com, and I was sorting, and I just thought it might have been um, an error, but obviously it's not an error because she hasn't given up a run. Uh, this past weekend, she threw through 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 13 innings, uh, 30 Ks, and then two solo shutouts for Nigeria Kennedy. Uh, if you go on the site, you can take a look at the advanced uh, stats for her, and she's got a 51.6 percentage strikeout rate. Uh, that's pretty high. So people come up to bat half the time; they're going to strike out against the rookie, and pretty impressive numbers from her out of Stanford and. That pitching staff is going to be tough, and we'll we'll get into that when we start previewing the pack. But um, I got my eye on Stanford and Nigeria Candy, so she's my um, podcast player of the week. Just a little follow up about Stanford. You know, I feel like as good as we think UCLA is, does it does it feel like it could be a legitimate neck and neck race for the Pac-12 with Stanford and the Bruins? Uh, I think so. You've got a staff in Stanford. Uh, that we just talked about, a pitching staff against a really high-powered offense in UCLA. And I think that's going to be a, a series to keep an eye on. And those two are going to go head-to-head, and I think it's going to come down to uh, when they play one another uh, in the Pac-12. So uh, I do. I think it's a lot closer than anybody thinks uh, at the moment. Okay. My podcast player of the week. I am thrilled and just elated to mention the accomplishments of Hobbsy, Lauren Hobbs, the pitcher for the Stetson Hatters. What a week for a player that I got to know in the FGCL a couple years ago. She wasn't there last summer, but we kept in touch some through Instagram. And she went in to this week with a slate against a couple SEC teams, including South Carolina, who is hitting better this year, and a game in Athens against Georgia. And Lauren Hobbs won both of them. So congratulations to Hobbsy. Lauren Hobbs is my podcast player of the week. I have no idea if ever in Stetson softball history, a pitcher has beaten two SEC teams in the same week. I do not think it is likely that that has happened, but it's an accomplishment that should be acknowledged. So Lauren Hobbs, my podcast player of the week. I love it. And honorable mention, I'm going to mention Olivia DiNardo from Arizona. She wasn't only the freshman player of the week in the pack, but she was freshman or freshman of the week. She was freshman and player of the week. Uh, hitting 857 with 12 hits, uh, seven RBIs, five doubles, uh, and was 10 for 10 in her remaining at-bats at the plate for the Arizona Wildcats. So honorable mention from me. I, I had to throw two in there uh, just because that's an incredible weekend. Uh, I don't care who you are, who you're playing. That's a great weekend uh, out of the, the rookie over there from Arizona. And just an idea, if you're watching and you think that somebody should be mentioned, you can always hit us up on Twitter and say, hey, this is somebody who should look at because we track a lot. Uh, sometimes a box score or two will fall through the cracks when I'm doing all my research and I don't want to miss anything. So hit me up if there's somebody that should be mentioned for podcast player of the week going forward. Okay. We've done three segments. That means next up is number four, which would typically mean it's time for the cleanup hitter.
Bella with plenty of power in her bat to be able to help them out. And she hits this one over towards left field. It's got a chance. It's going to go. Speaking of power in her bat, Jesse Alcala has a walk-off win for Cal State Fullerton. 12.03 a.m. and Jesse Alcala says it's time to go home. What a shot. What a shot right down the line. A wall scraper. But it gets out. And it's the biggest home run of the season. Well, if you weren't awake, you are now. We are pleased to be joined here on the D1 Softball Podcast by the head coach of Cal State Fullerton, Kelly Ford, in her 13th year at Fullerton, five-time Big West Coach of the Year. Coach, thanks for joining the pod. How are you? Oh, great, especially after watching that video. That was a lot of fun. I love it. Coach Ford, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. I, I know I got to sit and chat with you a lot this weekend, which is always a joy and a pleasure. And uh, we talked a lot about the Judy Garman Classic before you jumped on here. And uh, I'd love for you to just give a little bit of background and talk a little bit about Judy Garman, who was the head coach at Cal State Fullerton from 1980 to 1999 and, and what the Judy Garman Classic means to you and the Cal State Fullerton program. Well, it's so historic for Cal State Fullerton softball, but the biggest gift this weekend and every year Judy comes and every year she's taking notes. Every year she meets with the team. And let me tell you, she, she's got a list of what we need to get better at as well as coaches. So I, I love when she comes and she doesn't miss a beat. She knows exactly, you know, she was telling stories and these, you know, stories are from the eighties and she remembers the outs, the names, the, you know, the score, the situation. And, um, our team just got a, uh, really a, a real cool gift being able to spend a lot of time with her this weekend. So, you know, it, it's, there is a lot of pressure, of course, when she shows up not to, um, you know, play for her but just to honor her you know just an absolute legend so i uh, i hope she felt special this weekend when you spend that much time with somebody you've got to have stories yourself about judy garman what's your favorite that you could tell us here on the air oh wow okay you know I, this is this is great so so we had a couple hitters this weekend uh take some backward k's and that was her pet so she's like, Kelly, I got, I got a drill. That's going to take care of that. I said, okay, okay, what you got? What you got? And she said, okay, you know that Bass Centuri Hill, which is a hill that's, mm, I don't know, mile long and probably like a 60 degree incline. <laughs> but she said, every time they have backwards K, they've got to run up that hill. And then she, you know, reflects on Sue Lewis. Um, one of the best, you know, hitters to wear a Titan uniform. She actually struck out looking twice. Judy Garman made her run up that hill backwards and it was dark. So Judy was slowly following her and using her uh, Corvette lights to light that <laughs> way as she was going up Bassentry and she's convinced that's what I should do. And I said, HR will be waiting in circle so fast. So anyway, it's just, you know, it's crazy what she, um, you know, was able to do to motivate the athletes and they loved it. 
And for those of you that are are watching and and haven't had the pleasure of meeting uh, Judy Garman, we got a photo with you, Coach Ford. I got a photo when I was there this weekend, and she's sharing her College World Series um, magazine. That I think Gramacki's in there and Connie yeah. Clark. Yeah. Uh, she brought that by it. What was, what was that all about? She was going to frame it, I think. And she, the two of you were chatting about that World Series. Yeah, well, we have some incredible space in our um, new facility here. And um, I think it, each time she comes, she she brings something that, you know, she's cleaning out. She has just tons and tons of photos and articles and, and has kept them in pristine condition. So she shared that and we're... Um, we have a Judy Garman's champions room where all of the hall of famers, national championship and all sorts of stuff is displayed. And so she brings, um, you know, articles and things that we can add to the, uh, Judy Garman champions room, but that, that, that was a treasure. We're going to get that framed and put that up. Yeah. And it's super special when she brought it out, uh, and she's so proud of having that, but, uh, so that's Judy Garman. I just wanted to make sure that we honor her and shared a little bit about her because uh, in terms of SoCal, in terms of softball uh, national, nationally, um, she is a true legend. So I want to switch gears here a little bit, Coach Ford, and talk about um, your squad. You're 11-9 and nine on the season with um, a flair for the dramatic, I would argue. Uh, the Titans like to, to have some extra inning games, some late inning games, walk-offs. But on the weekend, uh, two and three on the weekend with uh, – a huge walk-off victory and against UCF, but um, give us a little idea of what you see from this squad this year. Uh, who's always at the top of the Big West, but I uh, arguably knocking on the door of that top twenty-five here in Division One softball. Yeah, I um, that clip that that uh, walk-off happened about twelve oh three in the morning, so it was a long weekend, and every weekend has been like a regional weekend uh, for us. But that was kind of planned. Um, and this one, we kind of ended up on the other side of the 500 mark, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because they were just competitive games. And we have um, knocked off some top-notch uh, teams. And we're going head-to-head -head and I think really doing a great job of competing with, with every opponent. I'm excited. I just want to find out how we're going to get into your top 25, but that's another topic. Um, I, I think we really, we really amped up our scheduling and, uh, we're playing 18 power five, um, games, uh, before conference starts and we just went for it. I typically in the past, to be honest with you, I'd play about half that many and because you want to get some momentum going and you want to, um, you know, on paper teach, uh, the new players, you know, how winning feels. And, and with my coaching staff, we said, man, if we get to conference and we're at 500, that is a good preseason, you know, play that we've put together. So we're, um, our, you know, our, our, our uh, win loss is mediocre, but I'll take some of those big wins we put in our back pocket. Well, and you might pop into the D1 softball top 25 at some point this year, but but the important top 25 <laughs> is the RPI that came out today. It was the first launch of that uh, that metric, and Fullerton came in at number 18. That's a really good spot right now here early. Do you feel like what you have done with the scheduling could put you in a position where you could maybe be a top 16 seed 
once we get to the NCAA tournament. We're, we're going for it. Um, tomorrow, we've got Baylor. We've got in front of us Stanford. We've got um, some, you know, some opportunities still, um, win, lose, or draw, to really prepare ourselves for that. Um, you know, I'll just be honest with you. We've, we're talking about it. We're talking about it and putting that out there and and uh, trying to just take care of business on the field and play the best softball we can. And for those of you viewers, so wins, let's talk about this 11 and 9. So wins over uh, Cal, split with Cal, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Liberty, Oregon, Oregon State, Florida, uh, as well as UCF on the weekend. So, you know, Kelly, I think a lot of that also has to do with your pitching staff. I was able to watch your pitching staff uh, in person with a 1.73 ERA uh, on this season. Uh, I know we've got Danielle O'Toole there with you. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how she's working with that pitching staff because it looks like she's taken on, they've taken on a little bit of uh, Thule uh, in watching them in the circle. I don't know what she's doing, but every time I walk into the office, her light's on. And that screen is going. And she has two or three pitchers in there. And they are, um, you know, putting to, putting a game plan together. You know, what she does so well is um, she connects with the student athletes and really um, is able to get the most out of them through just honestly um, getting to know them as people. And they open up then to her coaching at that you know, after that happens, they trust her um, and they know she does her work behind the scenes. Uh, she's just been a fantastic addition. And, you know, we've got three pitchers that have got most of our playing time this season, but we've got depth behind those three as well. So not only is she working with the, the top three that have got the most innings, but she's got some good backup that uh, she spends just as much time with. So I just really tip my hat to her. And Micah Sutherland, uh, who is one of those big three that, that's had some big wins for you. She's got a 26.9% uh, strikeout weight. She le rate. She leads the big West. What has her leadership meant to you uh, and Cal State Fullerton? We'll, we'll talk about the bats in a little bit, but what has Micah's leadership uh, been, meant to you? You know what, Micah, um, is, she's just a special young lady. And the, the players, her teammates, they want to win for her. Um, she is hilarious. She is supportive um, and shows up every day the same Micah. They don't ride a roller coaster with her. They don't wonder which version of Micah is going to step on the mound. She is going to throw them on the, on her back and say, let's do this. I, I just, she's very, very inspiring and a, a, a real teammate. And you got Delgadillo at the top there, starting off the, the lineup with obviously Hannah Becerra uh, and Alcala, who had that big hit. Uh, the offense, so what makes that offense take and run? Because you do, you all do love to run uh, as well and put the ball in play. Uh, and I know uh, George uh, working there at third base with you at, at first base, but that offense, uh, how would you describe that style of offense? Well, what's exciting is we do, we have speed, we have power. We, and, and I was just talking, you know, my hitting coach, Curly Grimes or um, Caitlin Grimes, 
known as Curly. She's in her office tonight, just studying film, just figuring out how we're going to just light this uh, offense on fire. Because of the three, defense, pitching, and offense, we know there's more in our tank there. And so um, I'm excited to keep working and for that to really show up. But we do, we have strength, um, excuse me, we have speed, we have power. Um, I am excited about what uh, Megan Delgadillo, you know, does. She just really sets the table and has just shown up with so much consistency and fire and, and the offense feeds off her. Even if she gets out, she is just coming right in there, pumping up the hitters and sharing the information. So it, it's, it's a blast to watch her work. I love that. Well, Coach Ford, uh, we'll, we'll let, I know you got to go because you've got loads of stuff to do, but we'll, we'll leave you with this. I, I've been able to tour Cal State Fullerton and uh, the new softball facility. Can you give people an idea of what that new locker room looks like and, and, and all the upgrades there? Because it's pretty spectacular uh, for those that, that haven't been uh, there uh, to Anderson Family Field. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I um, It was probably to the con construction was starting uh pre just before covid so we had to wait and wait and wait and then it's like taj mahal showed up this locker room is um just gorgeous and and uh the space is incredible and that's what athletes need they've got their own kitchenette their own game room little like um theater down there um and we enjoy the top level the coaches and have a video analysis room and a great patio that you and i got to chat a little bit on and that's where judy garman spends her time at the tournament but our athletic department really did this right um it is just fantastic and and uh feel very taken care of here that's it is awesome. pretty incredible for those that haven't been there, because you've got baseball on one side and softball on the other side. This past weekend at the Garmin, I didn't mention this, but Texas and Cal State Fullerton were playing uh, baseball on the other side. So you've got both sides um, and you can watch both games and it's incredible environment. Uh, probably a little bit biased as a SoCal girl, but uh, love always going to Anderson Family Field and, and seeing uh, the Titans and um, just so thankful for you to join us tonight, Kelly, Coach Ford. Um, any any final thoughts from you on the Titans? I I appreciate you guys um, just asking me to join and excited about what's in front of us and uh, go Titans! <laughs> Thank you so much, Coach, for hopping on. Honor to meet you, and uh, we'll be tracking the Titans the rest of the year. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. That was Cal State Fullerton head coach Kelly Ford, who is just so awesome. What a what a delightful human being. I know. Well, I, that's what I told you before we got on here. Um, just love chatting with her. I got to speak with her uh, this weekend and um, didn't get to ask her the question about the streaming, which uh, we can we could probably chat about, uh, Gray. But I know people were, were wanting those other games to be screen, streamed. Uh, and I know the Big West, uh, there is a contract there. So we'll, we'll hopefully have Kelly Coach Ford back on uh, to chat a little bit about that. But I know that they're working on it and hopefully we can get those other uh, games streamed uh, next year. Yeah, they'll that that'll happen at some point. They're they're working on it. Would be uh, I think just the response uh, to all the things that people were saying on Twitter as people again are confused by contracts and how all of that works. Um, and we can't continue to explain it every single day. But for now, Tara, it's time for us to explain ourselves. 
and answer questions about the D1 Softball Top 25. So if you have questions, put them in the comments. We will defend our ballots. We will defend the polls. <laughs> A quiet week in terms of rankings, Tara. I saw one person who said, how did Kentucky move up? They they didn't. They dropped three spots after losing in Norman. That was pretty much it <laughs> in terms of complaints that, that I saw and deep questions. If anybody has anything, please put it in the chat. We'd love to talk about it. Uh, I, I think one of the things that people continue to discuss, Tara, is the top seven, and in particular, four, five, six, and seven. We've got Tennessee at four, Stanford at five, Florida State at six, and Clemson at seven. Those four have kind of been you know, moving about in those positions these last few weeks. Yeah. And, and to be honest, that top one through 10, uh, I think we're, we've got a pretty solid list there and, um, you know, undefeated weekends for, for a majority of those teams. But, uh, you know, I, I think OU, UCLA, Oklahoma State, I think Tennessee, uh, the addition of Pickens uh, as an arm in the circle has been huge for uh, the Vols. And, then you got to look at Stanford and their pitching staff. Florida State, they're going out across the country and playing a ton of top 25 teams. Lonnie Alameda, uh, incredible what she does with, with that squad. And then, you know, we talk about Clemson and what John Rittman's done there uh, with the Tigers. And then I was able to see LSU in person here uh, out west at the Judy Garmin. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of movement and not a lot of chatter, which last week there was a ton. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of miss it. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more chatter. I, I, I mean, I'm just waiting for it. Getting our mentions. We do have a question here that I'll flash on the screen. Nevada, 17 and two, or Nevada. I don't know. I'm a, I'm in Alabama. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to speak. Um, 17 and two. How good are they? Thank you, Michael, for the question. So I'm looking at their resume right now. Uh, as with all the RPI metrics out, I get to look at the team sheets. It's awesome. They've got the win over Michigan. They've got a shutout loss to Stanford. The only other games that they have played against right now, the RPI top 100 are two games at Cal Poly, which was a split. And you were talking about Cal Poly struggles at Judy Garmin this weekend. So right now there's not a ton to go off of. Uh, I'll be honest. I looked at Nevada for uh, about a, a couple seconds when considering my ballot, because the bottom five were, were, you know, throwing darts at the dartboard at times this weekend, but they, they would need to make some legitimate overall record noise in the Mountain West, I think, to sneak into the top 25. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you there, Gray, just in looking at the schedule and not a lot on the schedule, uh, obviously heading into conference play. They do come out and play UCLA on a Tuesday uh, evening uh, or Tuesday morning matchup for for um, Nevada, but uh, again, got to have some more quality wins there. Don't think they're quite up to par in terms of the top 25 um, from what I see. So thank you, Michael, for the question. We did get another one from Twitter. Is this weekend's matchup between Oklahoma State and Florida State the biggest non-neutral site, non-con series this year? Now we'll we'll dive into the the full series preview in just a little bit. But I think it's a it's an interesting question, Tara, where this one stacks up compared to what we're what we're seeing the rest of the season. It's huge. I mean, this is a super regional matchup. Uh, you got Oklahoma State, Florida State. You got Kelly Maxwell uh, in the circle, Alexi Kilfoyle in the circle for the Cowgirls, and then you go in Florida State, and you got you know a staff of seven over there. 
And I think it's going to be a pivotal weekend. We'll see who wins that series. I love that they're doing this right before conference play. I think it's a huge test. And again, bumping up that RPI and, and playing good competition. So uh, this would be, I think, the matchup of the weekend, if not the entire season uh, in terms of a non-conference uh, neutral site uh, for uh, the weekend. It's not a neutral site. It's in Stillwater. Right. Yes. Uh, non-neutral site. Um, but yes, I concur. And if not this one, then Alabama, Texas. So like this is the weekend for non-neutral site, non-conference series. We've got one more question that I really want to dive into because I think it's interesting and could help, you know, reveal our philosophies when it comes to balloting. How heavily will RPI ranking affect into your votes? In terms of a top 25, it, it doesn't for me at all. I just referenced the website because it's a really easy way, the nitty gritty page, to check everybody's full resume, to have it all in front of you and not have to scroll. Like I, I'm, I'm looking at Nevada's full schedule right now and I don't have to have to press a button. Um, so the actual RPI ranking does nothing for me in terms of top 25. When I do bracketology, absolutely it matters. It's the most important thing. But uh, in terms of a top 25, no bearing for me. Well, and tomorrow on the site on d1sobble.com, we'll have our RPI up with the nitty gritty. It's a little bit more of a, a broken down version of what they've got on the NCAA.com. Uh, but we'll have the RPI up on the site tomorrow morning for all of our subscribers to take a look at and just goes a little bit more in depth into uh, what we're looking at in terms of the RPI. Yeah. And you can check all that out, you know, with 20% off an annual subscription using the promo code podcast 20 easy plug there and an easy transition to our six, four, three play of the week, or rather the most exciting games, Tara and the most exciting game outside of Judy Garman was Nebraska and Cal State Northridge. Shout out to Alabama alum Charlotte Morgan, the head coach for CSUN. Nebraska, Tara, is a team that is now in our top 25. Yes, and Rhonda, I mean, when you're taking a look at Nebraska and what she's been able to do there over the past couple of years, uh, continually at the top of the Big Ten and really has some production from the Andrews sisters uh, and really, you know, I think – Getting into the top 25 this week is a, is a good start for them and, and see if they can can keep this momentum. Just a season ago, they had a 19-game winning streak. Uh, I remember those Huskers. So they've got it in them. But, uh, again, most exciting game of the week uh, was Nebraska out Cal State Northridge. And then Judy Garman, we had one as well, uh, which was Minnesota at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, that was another at late inning, bottom of the 11th. Uh, Minnesota comes out on top there, the Gophers, with the wind over Cal State Fullerton. Another tight game for the Titans. And that's what Coach Ford was talking about. A lot of, you know, close uh, games. They've been challenged constantly. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they, they go through that Big West uh, conference uh, with a ton of experience and, and come away with another potential Big West title with uh, these tough games they've played here uh, pre-conference. Now, the question is, will Fullerton be mentioned as a part of three big things? I don't know. Let's find out.
I don't have them on the rundown, but we can add them. Fullerton, probably not going to be mentioned here on three big things because it is conference play around the country. We saw the ACC start last weekend. This weekend, things are really getting going across the major conferences. However, we've got some non-con games and series and some tournaments that are going to be really fascinating. Mississippi State hosting Oklahoma. Texas and Alabama will play a couple times in Austin. And we've already talked about Oklahoma State and Florida State and Stillwater. Yeah, what a weekend uh, to basically end tournament play and have these huge matchups across the country. Not just one, but just, I mean, a handful uh, everywhere across the country. And again, uh, the Texas, Alabama, and I, and I got my eyes, I think, on that. I, I'm for that Oklahoma State, Florida State uh, series because uh, that's two heavy hitters. But in terms of what we're seeing, uh, good uh, preparation heading into conference play. Yeah, it should be a ton of fun in all of those series. I will be in Austin on the call with Tom Canterbury on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. That is going to be a hectic weekend. Alabama, Texas at 6.30 Central Time as scheduled against Texas. And then Sunday, 9.30 a.m. first pitch against Wisconsin. So pray for my ability to sleep. SEC play also starts. We've got some fascinating series coming up this weekend, Tara. And the most, I would say, eye-catching is Auburn traveling to Georgia. What do we know about both of these teams? I'm not quite sure I'm too certain about anything when it comes to the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Well, we know Auburn can pitch. And again, I think I've mentioned the advanced stats on the site on d1softball.com. Go go ahead and, and take a look at that advanced pitching tab. And you're going to see some Auburn uh, names on there, including Penta. But, you know, Georgia struggled uh, scoring runs, which is historically a team that, uh, can flat out hit the ball. So figuring out how to get that offense going. Um, we saw a little bit of uh, glimpses of it, but I think that's going to be a great series uh, and one that uh, to keep an eye on uh, in starting SEC play. Yeah, I'm interested in that series. Ole Miss at Tennessee. Those are two teams right now going in the opposite direction. Can Ole Miss turn it around here this weekend? Texas a at Arkansas. I mean, you asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said, oh, Arkansas, sweep, easy. I don't think so. I think that there is a real legitimate chance for the Aggies to go into Fayetteville and win that series. You've seen AM in person a couple times this year. They're legit. They can make some noise this yep. season. Yeah, uh, Emily Kennedy uh, on the mound for the Aggies. Uh, she's tough. She's she's throwing high 60s, low 70s from the left side. Uh, again, i when that defense can, when they can play, you know, good solid defense, that that's when they're going to get the W. But again, on the pack, Arizona and Arizona State opening up uh, the pack to play against one another. And to mention, Howard University is playing UCLA tomorrow night at Easton Stadium. First time HBCU has gone to uh, a, a UCLA, so uh, another one to keep an eye on. Oh wow, we've gotten a comment, and I will double check it with the staff broadcast. Yes. Considering the intrigue of Arkansas Texas A&M, as we record right now, Central Arkansas leads the Razorbacks 2-1 going to the bottom of the sixth. So nobody is safe, even Monday at 7.43 Central Time, Tara. <laughs> I was like, wait, 7, it's 5.43 on the, uh, on the West Coast. But yes, nobody is, is safe. Uh Thank you for that, Natasha. Natasha with a comment on Facebook. Uh, thanks for the update. You can also go to the scores page on d1softball.com because we've got all those uh, scores for you up on the site as well. 
Yeah, that's a great transition into what's on D1, but I do want to brag on the scores page because I got the stat broadcast by clicking the box score page on the D1 score sheet. So when I do all of my tracking, when I make sure I've got every stat for everybody who played in the FGCL, I'm doing it through the D1 scores page because it is is truly the best on the wonderful website that is D1softball.com. Let's find out what's on it right now. Now, Tara, the D1 staff for D1softball.com, what a website, works so incredibly hard. There is something every single day. I just pop in for an hour once a week to do this show. But you and Brady Vernon and Rudy Potkey and Graham Hayes do such a phenomenal job putting out content. So tell the world, Tara, what's on D1? You know, I can't say enough about our staff uh, doing an incredible job, uh, not only uh, in season, but uh, out of season. There's just content uh, every single day. But on the site this week, we got what we learned. So head on over and see what we learned this past weekend from watching games. We've got our top 25 as well. We'll have our players of the week uh, in the morning. We've got player rankings. And we're going to start conference rankings next week. So as conference play starts uh, next week, and in the majority of the conferences, we'll have power rankings uh, for each and every conference over there on the site. So stay tuned for that. I'm already thinking of segment spinoffs that we can do about some of those conference rankings, because I'm sure people have questions about that as well, <laughs> along with the top 25. Wow. So I guess I guess I should go watch the end of Central Arkansas, Arkansas. This is going to be a really fun finish in Fayetteville, Tara. Are you hyped? I mean, we are getting into the fun part of softball season. We've got conference play coming up. We're getting into the real meat of the calendar in this sport. Yeah, I mean, getting through tournament season as a player is difficult. I think in covering it, it's almost just as difficult uh, because you don't get a break. You're at the field all day long. So getting out of tournament season, it's been fun, and it's been great to see everybody out at the fields. But heading into conference play, it's a lot easier to you know sit down and digest. And, again, like you said, head-to-head matchups, uh, it's one of the best parts of uh college softball so excited to get into conference play and and see where everybody kind of shakes out yeah non-conference is exhausting i'm tired of drinking coffee at five o'clock i'm ready for normal sleep patterns let's go it's conference play and we'll talk about it all next week on the d1 softball podcast presented by s2 cognition thank you so much to the wonderful kelly ford from fullerton for joining us an absolute blast chatting with her thank you to kelly higby behind the scenes making sure that everything works And it did this week, and it has every week that we've done this show. For my wonderful co-host, Tara Henry, I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the D1 Softball Podcast. We'll see you next week.